Welcome to Deep Thoughts with the Dixons. Now here are your hosts, Nina and Brian Dixon. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Deep Thoughts with the Dixons. We've got a great topic for you today, and we also have the Dixons that are going to be joining you. So I hope you guys are real freaking excited. (laughs) All right, let's start with the lifestyle tip. So I came across this tip maybe several months ago, and I've been kind of testing it out myself. And I have to say that if when I follow it, it absolutely works wonders for me. But I think many of us, well, some of us do do this and don't know what it's called, or maybe we have a different word for it. But I follow this girl on Instagram, and she was talking about time batching. And she was... Sounds like a new age term, time batching. I don't know. I mean, the concept's been around forever. I just think the way that she... Well, explain it to me, and then I'll see if it's really time batching. Seems to be very uh, helpful to me. So she was saying it for content creators, um, bloggers, and fashion influencers that, you know, those people should allot certain days to kind of take all of their content, create it, put it into like a, you know, there's there's a lot of apps out there and a lot of like uh, management systems that you can use to funnel your work in so that you're not posting on Instagram every day by yourself. You can like pre-populate the caption, the hashtags and everything and link all of your products in there. It's a very time consuming job what these people do. But she was saying how instead of focusing on one every single post and every single caption, you should just sit down on like a Sunday or a Monday or a Wednesday and just funnel in like two to three weeks worth of content so you don't have to worry about it. And this makes you more efficient and less stressful during the week. And you can focus on other things like, you know, branding opportunities and and landing other projects that these people make their living off of. And so I was reading this and I thought, you know, that could work for podcasting as well because we have other things to do. We can't just be sitting there, you know, when when you make a podcast and you record it, you have to edit it. You have to upload it to two different um, platforms. After that, you have to go in and create audiograms for each thing. You have to push it on Instagram nonstop. Well, that takes time. Like, why are you smirking? Oh, I was just listening. Oh, that takes like so much time out of your day and it's like you can't always be on at like 6 a.m. when everybody's like going to work and I'm on my Instagram like oh my god I gotta put this on there and tell people that it's up now and so they can listen to it on their drive to work like no you have to you have to figure some sort of like mechanism out here so for podcasters I would say that you should probably um, after you record your content create all the supporting content for it maybe after a day or two for the rest of the week instead of sitting there all week and trying to do it. It just doesn't work. Isn't it funny how like the human mind just comes up with these phrases to you're try to stu- like... You're still stuck on the I'm time still stuck on the phrase. I think comment. it's funny. Like there's all these phrases that come out and there's like, you know, let's let's figure out a way to do biohacking, like hack our biology by doing these different things or figuring out a way to be efficient Oh, but let's call it time batching. So it has this marketing swing. You've done it before. Do it you sounds know, you know really... What well, I got a funny story though first. It sounds really like new age to me. I think it's hilarious. But actually one time this guy was like, Brian, um, I uh, I unfollowed you on Twitter. And I was like, okay, wh- why? Did I do something that you didn't like? And he goes, I'm sick of all this new age stuff you post. And I was like, well, what are you referring to exactly? And he goes, the stuff that's like you know, meditation and, and that type of stuff. And I was like, do you realize that meditation has been around for literally thousands and thousands of years? There's nothing new about it. 
He's like, I just don't like it. Like, <laughs> I was like, all right, man. Well, I, I, I respect that. If you don't want to hear, if you don't want to hear me post about meditation, then go ahead and hit me with an unfollow. But it just reminded me of the new age with this time batching term. It cracked me up. Yeah, that's I don't. I, that's what I was laughing. About. I don't want to make like a, a blanket statement, but I, I sense that people over like a certain age are very resistant to anything that they don't know about. It doesn't matter if, if they learn about it now from like people like you and I or if I think, it's been around well, for centuries. It's just like this old way of thinking and they just don't care to learn anything Some people. Else. Some people. Because I said, do. I'm not making a blanket statement. Yeah. There's a lot of other people though that I know that are very open-minded that, yeah. that would hey. definitely absorb and be open to that type of stuff. Yeah. I don't care about unfollows because then it, it, it frees up our like mental space to just say what we want to say, do what we want to do. It's like, yeah, dude, if you don't like something, hop off the platform, please. We don't really don't care. That's right. It's like you unfollow me on Twitter. I'll hit you up with the sales <laughs> on your on your LinkedIn DM instead. <laughs> I'm going to find you with any touch point I can. Okay, back to time batching. So um, people who professionally compete in fitness competitions or even people who just like really care about their workout and fitness regimen, they do time batching. Every Sunday they do their meal preps. That's a form of time batching where to eliminate... Um, excess time and stress. Do you know how much thought and thinking goes into what I'm going to make for dinner? I used week? to do meal prep. That's what I'm saying. You used to do time batching as well. So it works for... It was actually just called meal prep. But it works for a lot of people in a lot of different ways. I'm just saying that this is a term that I came across and it got my attention. And now I can see that it could be used in a lot of ways. Like if you're in the office all day or all week, you have emails. You're probably one of those people who opens their email on Monday morning and has shit in there from last week. Well, why not, why not on Sunday evening when you're watching TV? Just... Give yourself an hour with an alarm set on your calendar of just cleaning out your inbox. I just thought of something kind of funny. We should start an Instagram account called Time Batching and then just put like outrageous things on there that you can batch your time with. So like, hey guys, this, af- this afternoon, I'm going to go buy 24 pairs of shoes for the next four <laughs> years <laughs> in a row. Or... I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to Costco and buy twenty eight thousand packs of gum, so I never have to buy gum again. And I'm gonna time batch it in sixty minutes. I think it's a good effective. No, no, I'm just joking. I, I actually, I never have heard that phrase before, but I actually use that concept you for do. a lot of things mm-hmm. I do, both in my personal and professional life. I don't use it enough, and I don't look at my calendar and say. I don't have time slots allotted yet. Like I'll have like Monday, I have to do all these things. Tuesday, I have to do all that. But there's no time. And I should and I should start being very specific, like two hours to this, two hours to this, one hour for this. And that's where I have to get better with. But the days that I do do that, I my week flows much better. White space on the calendar is when the demons creep in. Yeah, your mind will Get race. your mind wandering. I know. Get that anxiety going. All but- right. On to the real topic since you were very distracted today. This is this is all um, because of you, our topic today. I asked you what we should talk about, and you said you could talk about food and exercise forever. Yeah, I probably so, could. Guess this what? is something that I've got a this lot is, of this is your moment. I'm experience you, with. I'm giving you the spotlight. All right. Well, I appreciate that. So and I'll I'll help you lead it though. Okay. Okay. Let's share with people. These are the days I did not know you, but you I see she's already taking my moment away from listen, me. Listen, I knew you. I knew of you. No, I didn't. I didn't meet you yet, but you were a big dude. You were jacked. You I were was jacked and I was tan. Oh, you were dark and handsome and muscular. These were your college days because you showed me a picture on MySpace. <laughs> For all you know, don't know MySpace, I was the first friend with the guy Tom <laughs> on MySpace. <laughs> um, I remember that picture, those pictures that you showed me like 10 years ago. 
on there. What was your diet and workout like back then? Sure. So let's and, even and let's up. actually rewind before that time. Yeah, and growing because up. I want to kind of get into the things I've learned over the last seventeen years is how long I've actually been pretty deep into fitness and nutrition, and I've learned so much throughout that time span. So if we rewind, whenever I first started getting into educating myself around nutrition and exercise, I was probably around like 16 years old, 15, 16 years old, like right beginning of high school time period. And at the time I would just literally go off of like what the most common things were being marketed to me were because I wasn't aware of how bad they were for me yet. Yeah, but give me some examples. So like I was doing the at this time, I was trying to gain as much weight as possible, like as much muscle. So I wasn't only drinking like whey protein shakes. I was drinking like whey and casein infused weight gainers where like one shake would be like trying to drink down like paint. Like that's the th- consistency of it. It was so thick because there was so many scoops of powder in there. And I would drink that and it would be like 2,500 calories in one shake or something outrageous. And basically what happened was I did gain a lot of weight. It just was like (laughs) kind of like fat. Like I didn't get like super fat, but it was like a lot of the weight that I was gaining because I was consuming so many calories. Even when I was working out, like I was putting on a lot of muscle, but I wasn't super lean. You know, like I never, it wasn't until much later in life that I really understood the science behind nutrition and that type of stuff yeah, but how old were you when you like you put on weight but you're muscular right? well, see you i wasn't fat. super i wasn't super tall yet i actually was like five ten probably oh. throughout high school i didn't hit my big growth spurt until my freshman year of college and i went away for a semester and came back and i had grown like four inches i went from like you know five ten to like six three in, in a semester and my mom came home and she's like, what the hell are they feeding you down there? Um, but like through that time, throughout high school, I was I was always training to try to get bigger and stronger. So like I was eating a lot of calories. I was taking in a lot of these calories through shakes that were completely unhealthy for me. That, and I didn't realize it at the time. And back then, like, you know, even the whey protein that's out today, I think is, even though I think whey protein is disgusting these days after I learned about it, but back then it wasn't nearly as quality as what exists today on the market. So literally a lot of these things tasted like cardboard while you were drinking them. Like none of them had any good flavorings to them. And I would drink them. All my workouts revolved around like trying to get bigger and stronger. So I would do those split sets where it would be like 12 reps and then increase the weight and do 10 reps on the next one and increase the weight and then do eight and then do six. And kind of like I would structure all of my workouts around that. Like I would work out like one muscle group a day. So like I do chest on one day and legs on another. And, And I actually had that protocol for years and years. Now I would always mix up the different types of workouts in terms of what I was doing. So I wasn't doing the same thing every day, but I would have that standard bodybuilding split of like a different muscle group every day. I would usually take one day off a week and uh, I was, I did very minimal cardio um, until I got older. And as I transitioned into college and I was like living in a fraternity house, like, you know, they don't have the best food that you eat there. So I was still kind of going on a similar protocol, but everything I was eating at the time was very heavy meat induced. Like I was, you know, I grew up and I didn't know everything I know about diet now and how meat affects us. And I ate meat that entire time. So when I was eating these different things, it was like chicken breasts and steak and veggies and potatoes and all these different things, because I just wasn't aware of it at the time. Like I had never 
had anything occur to me or anybody else in my family at that time in my life that was a vegan or vegetarian. And I never came across any material or anything that kind of woke me up when I was younger like that. And as I continued to go through college, I uh, pretty much had that same type of protocol. And then it wasn't until after college, um, actually in my last year, when I switched up more from lifting heavy weight, I started doing more cardio in college. I would say a couple days a week I would do, I would run for 20, 30 minutes afterwards. And then I switched up and quit lifting weights at one point. And then I started training for MMA. Um, not, I'm sorry, not MMA, just traditional boxing. Um, traditional boxing at the time. And I leaned out quite a bit when I did that. And then after school, as I was like transitioning into law school, when we first met, I had like right before law school, I had started just dedicating a lot more of my energy into understanding like the science behind nutrition and how it operates and how everything you're doing from an exercise perspective works. Before I was just doing it from just reading like bodybuilding magazines and things like that. Yeah, but what was your diet like in 2011 when we met? Because here's what so you looked like. You were very tall, very lean. Uh, you weren't muscular, but you were very, you were ripped. You know, like you had an eight pack and I'm not exaggerating that to anyone listening. Like legit, he was shredded. Very lean and very shredded. At that time, I was eating a very strict diet and so but it was I was eating like five to six meals a day and this is what my meals would consist of I would get up I'd have like eggs oatmeal and some fruit then a couple hours later I'd have a protein shake a couple hours later I'd have lunch and that would be like a sweet potato chicken or you know tuna fish or something like that and then I would have some veggies that would go with it a couple hours later I'd have a protein shake and then I would usually at that time I was usually working out in the evenings um, and I would go I'd work out immediately afterwards I'd have like a protein shake and then dinner within like an hour of that which would again be like chicken or steak like it was very very heavy meat induced and throughout that time like you know I didn't really realize that I wasn't feeling great all the time because I wasn't as aware of it because I was younger and I had more energy and stuff but over the years that started hitting me later on so it was very heavy meat induced on average I'm eating like 250 to 350 grams of protein a day, carbohydrates. I would rotate my carbs. So I did carb cycling for a period of time. Um, that helped me actually lean out quite a bit. Um, usually when I was doing cardio, I'd get up and I'd do that on an empty stomach first thing in the morning because when you go into an aerobic state uh, and get your heart rate up before you eat anything, you actually burn through fat on your body as opposed to as opposed to burning through muscle. And so I started to understand the science behind that more. So I was really being strategic with when I would exercise, what kind. So I would do cardio first thing in the morning. I would eat like this throughout the day. I would lift heavy weights um, in the evening and then I would eat again. And then I would like right before sleep, I would have like a casein protein shake. So on average, I was having two to three protein shakes a day and I was eating three meals as well. So literally like every two and a half to three hours, I was consuming food, which is terrible for your, you know, your internal system. Like you're, you, you don't even have time to digest one thing before yeah. you're consuming the next and you're constantly I like also that. don't hear anything of like fresh fruits or fresh vegetables or yeah. salads. Well, or I, would, like I would have salads and things like that. The, ex the, the big extent of it would be like I would have fruit in my oatmeal, but it wasn't that much. It was like just a topping Sprinkles, on the oatmeal, yeah. right? Um, I would try to have salads in when I on like my, my lower carb days. I, I would increase my protein and healthy fats and then I would have salads so I could lower my uh, my carbs through brown rice or white rice or sweet potatoes. And that's kind of what my protocol was when we first met in 2011. And then I, um, 
I don't know what happened though. Like when I met you, you were like, you're making fun of me for eating Reese's. Remember, they were sitting on my table, and then I don't even I don't remember the specific like thing, but somehow it popped up. I know that on our first date, I thought you were vegan because you were you were saying no to certain things, and you're like, "Do you know what's in that stuff? Do you know what's in that stuff?" And that's when I started getting well, into it. At the time, I wasn't vegan yet, wasn't but your I was bro- your brother very. Was, my brother had been a vegetarian yeah. for years at that point. Um, at that time, I was not vegan yet or vegetarian, but I was extremely conscious of how much garbage that they put in most of our food so i I was so strict about it mentally that even like when i would go out to eat i would be like i'm still going to stick on this protocol right i would try to eat like no processed food i would always try to have everything be like a veggie a healthy carb or some type of meat-based protein at the time no No snacks i was extremely strict about it yeah no ice cream i never saw you even have that stuff in your home um and then i think it was by our second term like that that late summer early fall of that year we were just going full-on vegan yeah so my brother had actually sent me this movie called earthlings and earthlings is basically a documentary where these people that work on meat and dairy factory farms put on hidden cameras and they like go around and they show you actually what's happening on these farms like these animals are just being completely abused. They're being slaughtered. They're like in terrible conditions. They're pumping them full of antibiotics and all these terrible chemicals that then you're eating as a byproduct of that. Like they don't go out of their body when you eat them. Like they kill them. Those things stay in their in the animals while you're eating them. Like you're consuming this, which is causing cancer and all sorts of stuff. And then I saw like like it goes far beyond that in the movie too than just the eating. It's like shows like how they make like f- wool coats and all these things and like what they actually do to the animals to make that happen. And I saw that one time and literally instantaneously the next day, I quit eating meat and dairy 100% at that time. And I went to an extreme because you and I were vegan. I even went raw vegan for a period of time. And then I think when I was doing that, I was still working out just as hard. And I didn't realize that when you shift your diet like that, you have to really adjust your workout protocol as well because you can't do the same types of things and expect the same results because on a raw vegan diet, specifically for me, you're consuming, like it's very nutrient dense, but calorie deficient. So well, late 2011 to summer of 2012, you went vegan with me. I yeah. remember that and you made me watch Forks Over Knives um i never saw earthlings um but then you're right i don't remember us being raw vegans but i remember me cooking vegan all the time and i was looking for vegan options after school all the time but it was late 2012 when you were moving back to st louis weeks before you moved you started eating meat again because i I think right there like you were just working out still the same as if you were eating all the carbs and meat and uh, calories as if you, as if you think you would have been when you were eating meat, but you're working out just as much. And so, I remember you. I don't know what happened. Like we went to the hospital, didn't we? Like something. So with heart. yeah, something happened with me where I woke up in the middle of the night. Probably like it was parade day. It was like St. Patrick's yeah, Day. Yeah, it was. It was in the middle of the night though. It was like one in the morning yeah. or two in the morning. And I legitimately thought I was having a heart attack. Like I, my heart and chest hurt so bad. And I called you and I was like, you, can you take me to the hospital right now? And you came and picked me up and we went there 
and they ran some tests and I think it turned out that since I was eating predominantly raw at that time, but I was still exercising to such an extreme extent and I wasn't supplementing, that was my mistake. I wasn't supplementing the right way in terms of things that I had because I did such a dramatic shift from eating meat to that without taking into account the amount of exercise I do that I started depleting a lot of nutrients that I needed within my body um, and I hadn't balanced it out enough. So the doctor was just like, you, you've got to balance this back out. So go take a big uptake of nutrients or, you know, figure out how you can balance this because you're, I think my iron levels were super low or something like that. And so that's the only time that's ever happened to me before. And so I eventually began eating meat again. Um, eventually it was like immediately it was like immediately yeah because i was like oh fuck like that excuse me i was like i don't want don't want that to happen like that kind of freaked me out a little bit you yeah know? and so from that point i came back to st louis and i was continuing on like a similar workout protocol i got extremely ripped again like i was I, I tried to test out a bunch of different stuff like i did the intermittent fasting stuff at one point i was doing like those meals where you go get them from the store and they're like individually wrapped and they have like the the uh, calories on them the proteins the carbs the fats like I was extremely mathematical and scientific about everything I did but I still wasn't eating good food like although it was it appeared healthy and it's like what we're marketed to it's still full of meat it's still full of preservatives it's still like full of all this stuff that we're told is good for us, but it's literally killing us every time we ate it. And I wasn't aware of that as much at the time. And so I did the intermittent fasting stuff. I did like, I did like a bulletproof coffee thing at one point for a while. I've did the extremely low carb where I would put myself in ketosis. Like I just treated myself like a science experiment for several years. And then, you know, come 2016, I guess whenever you were moving to St. Louis, yeah. I uh, you moved in, and you know Nina's never eaten meat in her life, and so it's it was very easy for me to take meat out again at that point. And I was like, I don't know why I'm doing this. I don't feel great. Like well, I, I was looked- still, no, but I was still we. I moved here at the end of 2016 or something like that, but it wasn't until the summer of 2017. So I'd already been living here for months. That you and I ended up watching What the Health on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah. And literally the next day you go, I don't understand. I remember you. You're like, I don't know why. I don't know why I still eat meat. And you know what we were doing? I was cooking vegan for myself and like salads and side dishes. You were still getting fit flavors. Yeah. Is what, what we were doing. The I think subliminally at the time, what I was thinking in my subconscious was that if I, I was so used to. You were afraid to, that I was going to leave you if you lost <laughs> your abs. Um, I was so used to looking a certain way and like yeah. exercising at a certain level of intensity that I think subconsciously I was a little fearful that if I cut out that diet, that I would lo- not be able to work out as hard as I like to or not, you know, not be able to have the same aesthetic or physique. And. I think that's probably the main reason why I didn't do it because I didn't feel good. Like consuming whey protein and consuming the supplements that I was taking and uh, consuming the meat and dairy, like although I may have looked good when I was in the mirror, on the inside it was like eating away at my body and I could feel that. My energy levels weren't great. I could, like my inflammation in my body was insane. Like I had a minor shoulder injury, Um, nothing I ever had to like get surgery on or anything, but I had to like quit going to the gym for like a month and a half while it healed. And I noticed that after that, when I was eating all the meat and dairy, I could work out for about two months 
And then my shoulder would get so tight that I would absolutely have to go get soft tissue work done on it, like a, a very deep trigger point massage or Swedish deep tissue in order just for it to uh, break up the scar tissue a little bit for me to go back in and work out more. And what I noticed was this inflammation was just insane. And when I quit and took out meat and dairy from my diet, within about 72 hours, the inflammation completely dissolved with my body and I had full range of motion back within my shoulder. I mean, three days, which just goes to show how garbage whey protein and all this meat-based protein and how it's just full of all this stuff that is really inflammatory for the human body. I'm not even a, a proponent of vegan protein anymore, though. I've been off of it for about a month or two at this point. And you, you can easily get everything you need without taking any supplements. Yeah, and I'm not saying that I, I have a figured out or that I know how I should be working on a vegan diet and how I should be eating. No, by no means. But I can honestly say even vegan protein is something that's just like, it's not for everybody. I don't think that it's the cleanest form of protein, even for vegans. Um, with that being said, I do agree with a couple points you made just now that when you do choose to eat that clean and less processed foods and raw fruits and vegetables, or even if you're cooking meals, but there's no meat and it's less on carbs and whatnot. You can't be working out the same, and I've made that mistake several times throughout my life as well. I mean, I went on a juice fast for like three months last year, right before the wedding, but I was working out just the same. The worst thing I did to myself. I should have never done that. If you're eating that clean, you're eating that right, you don't have to work out as hard. And I'm not saying don't work out and just eat right. I think your body needs to move. You know, it's, it's a part of your holistic well-being like you have to be able to move and work out and get your heart pumping and the oxygen flowing but you don't have to be working out ridiculously hard very high burning calorie workouts that are low impact I think are very ideal and suitable for vegans if you eat that clean with that being said let's get into let let's just kind of talk about certain things that are kind of mis construed in our in the industry like people think we're vegans but like before we get into that let me kind of finish this cycle of the like where i am today i'm almost done because i think that'll be helpful in terms of that next point that we're going to cover so as i went through that process and then we transitioned into eating vegan again um which now it's been like a little over two and a half years i was coming up on three years i the next thing that happened is I, I had to figure out how to adjust my workouts to give me the same results because I was still lifting really heavy and I needed to like change that around. So basically over the course of the last two and a half years, what I learned was that I have to completely change the way that I was working out for my particular body. I see other people that still eat a ton of food that are vegan that, you know, get in really good shape. But for my particular schedule with work and everything, what I ended up doing um, is I started incorporating a lot more raw foods um, and I removed the supplements that I was taking at the time. And then I would really focus on instead of lifting heavy, I would be doing movements where I could do a lot more reps and kind of evenly mixing in kind of low impact cardio here and there um, to the point now where what I've been testing for the last couple months that's been working out pretty well is eating a lot more raw food, having usually just a cooked meal in the evening. Um, and I'm not loading up on like tofu and all this other stuff. We eat 100% like you're buying it on the perimeter of the grocery store. You know, you're going to the produce section and that's pretty much it for a lot of the stuff that we eat on a daily basis. Um, so we're not, you know, packing ourselves with a bunch of fake 
protein that's like tofu and seishin and all these other things. We're going to circle back on that. That's yeah. gonna be the next, right after this is what I'm going to go into yeah. like vegan, vegetarians, but what does it really mean to be a clean vegan? Yeah. And so I think what I've learned through the process now is that, you know, we've been marketed to throughout our lives to believe that certain things are actually going to make us in our tip-top health through exercise, through whey protein and supplements and needing to eat five or six meals a day and all this stuff. And it's all completely manufactured for industries to generate revenue to grow their businesses. It has no bearing in fact that this is what the human body actually needs. And it took me 17 years of learning to get to this point to understand now, not only do we not need it, it is terribly harmful for us. And there are just dramatically bad repercussions if you consistently stay on that type of lifestyle. It'll eat you up from the inside and you will, like, like it's, it's just terrible for you, you know? So you were going to get, that's kind of where I am now. So a lot of what I do now is I eat most, mostly raw food during the day. I'll have a cooked meal in the evening. I usually work out first thing in the morning. Uh, now I've been testing out more of a calisthenics type workout where it's completely body weight with everything. So it's all a mixture of pull-ups and push-ups and uh, different variations of that. Um, but I'm, I'm still, I still go to the gym and work out like five, six days a week. It's, and my workouts are still usually 30 to 30 to 60 minutes every day. Um, it's just instead of going weight-based, now I'm going all body weight stuff and all sorts of different movements, very slow movements and controlled, trying to hold, hold and contract the muscles. And now I would say is the first time in the last two and a half years that I have felt like I've always felt good since we quit eating, like when we went plant-based, but now from like an efficiency perspective, mobility, functional, uh, body weight to strength, I feel probably in the most tip top that I have in the last two and a half years with the protocol that I'm currently on. Yeah. I just don't think that you need weights all the time. You don't need to be doing the same type of workout all the time. Yeah, you constantly want to evolve and I adapt. I think you want to evolve and adapt. And I think that's where the problem happens is I, I can't speak to the whole meat and, you know, protein and carb and all this, you know, protocol with working out. But I can say that being a vegetarian and a vegan pretty much most of my life, how can you, I've always had to change my workouts. I couldn't do the same. Now I'm not saying like you start changing like the the type of weights you're lifting and this and that. I'm saying like fully, like if you're doing weights, then don't do weights for the next three months. Do, Do something else. I think you constantly have to change to keep your body going. I don't know what it is. I don't know what you call that. Cause I know when people eat meat and they have like, you know, the, the portion sizes all like calculated out something with like whatever they do they end up gaining muscle and toned and they have like abs and they're ripped and they're defined but with a vegetarian or a vegan diet i've noticed that i have my body's gotten used to it and i've had to like circle back and like change my workouts or do something different or get out of my comfort zone um but what i did want to touch on is i still don't think that veganism is mainstream and I don't mean like, oh, like everyone's doing it. It's a fad. It's, I mean, like, it's not a common thing. Wait, so from a trend perspective. It's mainstream, but it's not. It's still pe- not it's common. It's the fastest people- growing new adoption of time, which is great. Right. But there's a lot of misconceptions and there's yeah. a lot of people that will say, oh, here's a biotechnology burger. This is vegan. The education. And you and it, there's a big difference between vegan and plant-based. Yeah. There, the education when it comes to this industry is still lacking big time. And anything I say at this point, I'm, I'm, we're not experts. We are not in the health industry. Yeah, we're learning every day. We're, this is just based on our experiences. And when I see people saying that they're vegan or they're vegetarian, let's just stick to vegan because I'm not a vegetarian anymore. I don't eat dairy. I don't eat cheese. I don't eat ice cream. 
I'm like, I'm really working towards myself to being a clean vegan. But when you see these impossible burgers in the freezer section, okay, and it says vegan on them, it could even say plant-based on there. I don't think people understand that that's not what a vegan wants to eat or what a vegan primarily eats. Yeah, so that type of stuff is literally created within a lab. processed. processed. It's biotechnology. Yeah, there's things in there that are hurting us in the long term, and no one's understanding this. When you pick up bread, you have to look if there's milk or dairy in bread, or if there's gum or xanthium or all these other things that are not supposed to be in it. Like the only vegan bread I know of on the market is, what is it called, Ezekiel? Ezekiel tastes like shit, but um, (laughs) everything else is not. And I think that that's where, you know, you see all these like cheeses that are vegan cheeses made from uh, soy free, dairy free. That's all packaged stuff. And it like kills me when I see people saying, well, it's vegan. Well, it's vegan. It's like you don't you're eating plastic like it's still not good for you to eat. And you're still going to put on weight. You're still going to hurt yourself. In There's the a end. lot of very fat and unhealthy vegans and vegetarians that think they're being 100%. healthy because they're eating vegetarian or quote unquote vegan, but they're eating a bunch of processed garbage. And then they love to blame like, oh, well, my doctor said I'm not healthy and I'm low on this. And I went vegan for six months. I can't be vegan. I wasn't getting enough nutrients. That's why I want to just slap them and say, you were eating packaged food that said vegan on it. It came from a can. When I say vegan, I mean, like you said, Walk around the perimeter of the store, get leafy greens, get eggplant, get cauliflower, buy organic, go to the farmer's market and get it there, get peas, get, don't get minute rice, get rice out of like a, like a bag that you have to actually cook over a stove for 25 minutes, get chickpeas and kidney beans, not out of a can, go to some oriental, you know, foreign Indian market, they're everywhere, they're Asian markets, and you put them in a pressure cooker and you cook them yourself. You don't get anything out of a can you know and so and make your own dishes or google recipes and you know cook your own food stay away from anything that's packaged in any form it's just not going to be good for you in, in the long term and i don't care if it says vegan on it so that's what we're trying to shift more to and our dinners are basically like yes it takes me like three four hours to make dinner like no no i'm not even exaggerating that but I think of it as like, but also our health. people don't. So you, people realize you're not sitting there doing nothing but that for three or four hours. You were watching that as you're working and doing other well, things. Duh. Because obviously, people but, are going to hear that and say, "Well, there's no way I'm ever going to be able to fit that in my schedule." No, 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 no. You, obviously, the the prep work goes into it, and it sits on the stove. But I'm sorry, you're either going to put something in the microwave or on the stove, like minute rice or stovetop, whatever that shit used to be, hamburger helper, and it's done in five minutes. Well, in 30 years, you're going to end up in the hospital with some sort of disease. Or you take the time now and say, like, I'm investing in my body. Like, this is my... People have to make them and their body and their health a priority. If you're going to cut corners when it comes to this, what are you working your ass off for? What are you teaching your kids? Yeah, it's a big problem within our society, too, because... There's there's no importance on it. There's no importance placed on investing within the accumulation of long-term health. You know, we have this society that lets us invest as much as we can in, in, in cut corners when it comes to health so that we can get more work done and produce a better output uh, from a career perspective. And it's it's completely overlooked that it's like that old quote that says, uh, he who sacrifices his health for wealth will eventually sacrifice his wealth 
for health. Meaning that if you're working so hard and you're not taking care of your body by what you're eating and what you're, how you're exercising and doing things, you may make a bunch of money, but eventually you're going to get sick, very sick, and you're going to have to spend a lot of the money that you made to try to get healthy again. to enjoy all of it. Um, just today, this, I didn't even know the, how, this is really odd. Just this morning, I was reading an article and I think I sent it to you while you were in the office, how Cigna, the health insurance company, has now rolled out a plan that includes bioengineering of, or, or something of gene editing. Uh, don't quote me on those exact, but it's something with genes and biogene editing. And now this insurance plan in America will allow people to pay for this hefty plan, but it will cover up 100% of these gene editing uh, medications and procedures. And I believe Express Scripts is backing that. Express, Express Scripts is a part of that. Sorry, excuse me. And I read that and I thought if they could dump and they talk about how billions and billions of dollars were spent on this. And I'm like, if they could spend billions and billions of dollars on educating people and allowing farmers to farm in healthy ways and not use pesticides and not use GMOs and do all these things in labs that are killing people and not create shortcuts in companies like Kraft and Silk and Almond Breeze and all these companies that are also trying to make vegan products but cutting corners, which are hurting us in the end. If those billions of dollars could have been spent there and all those places, we would be a much healthier country. And it sickens me. Like, if you guys don't believe what I'm saying, go Google it. Like, the south of France has been a, a big point of interest for me lately, and I don't know why. But kids there have two hours for lunch. They can choose to stay at school and have lunch, or they can go home to their families and have a home-cooked meal for two hours. Here in the States, what do we get, like 45 minutes, 50 minutes? A vending machine, packed lunches, frozen pizzas that the lunch ladies put in the microwave. There's nothing healthy and sustainable and good for us here right now. So you have to learn to take things into your own hands. You have to do your own research. And we talk about this all the time on this podcast. Make your own decisions. Do your own due diligence. Educate yourself. And it doesn't really take any rocket science. I think we could look around ourselves and look at the numbers in our country of the amount of people who get cancer, who have heart attacks, who get sick, who are on antidepressants, who have gas gastrointestinal issues. America is like the leading country in all of these issues. Think about it like this too. So this is a, something that I've read before that really stuck out to me on this topic. Um, I've definitely probably mentioned parts, bits and pieces of this before, but I'm a big science like in technology nerd and like in the past I'm a big fan too of Nikola Tesla and I think he's like one of the most brilliant engineers and inventors ever and one of the things that he said because he used to be a meat eater and later on in life became a plant-based eater and one of the things that he said was what I learned was that the human body actually works far more effective from an energy electrical and mechanical perspective once you eat closer to light. And his explanation was that light photons, which come from the sun, have specific data and information within them that actually enhances human beings from an energy perspective. And so if you think about it, when you're eating raw fruits and vegetables, that's probably the closest that you can get to absorbing and nourishing your body with these light photons because it's firsthand light photons that come from the sun. They help these plants grow when you're eating it in a raw state. You're not even cooking it, which then eliminates a lot of the nutrition whenever you actually cook stuff. 
um, he said when you're eating an animal, what's happening is that animal is roaming a field eating grass. These days, animals don't really even do that that much. They're sitting in these factory farms eating corn and, and different types of grain. Uh, and like, also just sitting in fat, their own like, feces. Sitting in their own feces. It's disgusting. disgusting. But, um, you know, animals that are out and they're actually free range that are eating this grass, what they're doing is the animal is getting the firsthand light photons because they're eating the grass that had the direct uh, light information from the sun in it. And then that animal is getting slaughtered, and then the human is then eating the animal, which is secondhand light photons that you're actually getting from the meat-based protein that you're eating. So that animal ate the grass, it absorbed that, it synthesized it, it protein, um, it, it created the protein from it for protein synthesis. It absorbed that within its body, and then when it was killed for the human consumption, the human's eating that, which is actually secondhand light photons. And when I read that one time, I'm like, that makes so much sense. And it really makes me understand why now, since I've incorporated so much more raw food into my diet, how my energy levels have gone through the roof because I'm getting this firsthand light information, which really has provided just a tremendous benefit. Yeah. Um, I'll just share, this was more about this podcast, this episode is more about you, but I'll just share some like food health things that I've been doing that I think are not ordinary um and maybe some people will pick up on it and think it's interesting and read more um so the first thing is i don't use microwaves um i really don't heat our food even if i cooked food the night before and i'm reheating it the next day i usually do it over the stovetop i don't i never put it in the microwave and so people understand why that's important is because microwaves have terrible or excuse me terrible uh you know, frequency waves. <laughs> Friggin' stuttered. I must have. I must have been sticking my head in a microwave too long. Oh uh, they have terrible, you know, frequencies and waves that get absorbed into that food, and then you're consuming it. So it's literally you're taking that energy in your body after heating something up in a microwave. Um, I don't buy frozen food. I don't thaw any food in the microwave. I don't buy frozen pizzas or frozen snacks or frozen fruit or frozen vegetables. I don't do except for spinach. I do get I do get chopped spinach. But everything else I, I don't I stay away from the freezer aisle and I stay away from microwave or microwavable foods. And with that being said, I also don't I think I just said don't buy packaged goods. So if you see minute rice or you see salt canned sauces or kidney beans or taco sauce or enchilada sauce that's like an instant powder mix or guacamole mix. No, I just pick up an avocado, onions, cilantro, fresh lemon. I mash it all together, put salt and pepper on it, and there you go. I don't get that instant shit. It will literally take you 60 seconds longer yeah, to do It gets that. me so hyped up. Like I need to calm it down a little bit. But anyways... <laughs> I don't do that. When it comes to lentils, I buy my own lentils and use a pressure cooker. I will never buy the stuff that's in stores that's packaged. Um, I make my own sauces. I don't buy jarred sauces anymore. I alternate between all types of cooking oils. I don't just use olive oil or coconut oil or sunflower. I, I like, you know, I, whenever I'm out of the one, I choose a different one the next time. This point about alternating is super important also. So like right now in the mornings, whenever I work out, I'll come home and I'll have a huge bowl of fruit with some nuts and seeds in it. And I'm always trying to alternate my you know fruit. Why, because there's certain fruits that are in season and are not in season, but also because your body gets used to it and you want to adapt and have it evolve. And you're also getting different nutrients different, from each type correct. of fruit you're taking in. Correct. So two things you said there. Season, always only buy produce that's in season. Just Google it. Put it. It's a fact sheet. Stick it on your refrigerator. And before you go to the grocery store, you'll know what's in season for that month. And that's important too, because the the fruits and vegetables that are not in season when you're purchasing those, 
those are not naturally being grown in an environment that you should be taking it from at that time of the year. Seedless and seeded fruits. The fruits that by nature have seeds in them, like you should not be getting seedless fruits like grapes or watermelon. All that stuff is um, GMO and like factory based seeds. They're not like from the ground or full of nutrients. So don't ever skimp on that. I know there's like this big push on like get seedless, get seedless. Uh, no, don't do that. It doesn't have the same nutrient and the benefits that you need that come from the real fruit itself. Um, what was I saying before you jumped in on that though? I forget. Rotating something? Oh, alternating. So yes, because they're in, uh, you only want to eat stuff that are in season. And also, if you're always used to eating bananas and berries in your oatmeal, well, you're not getting other nutrients that maybe come from, you know, apples or oranges or honeydew or cantaloupe. So you have to keep switching it around at all times, all of your food actually. Um, I don't buy bottled spices anymore. The only bottled spice I buy now is everything, the everything bagel seasoning. I love that stuff. Don't recommend it. It's not healthy for you. The MSG content is super high, but I grind my own spices. Like I'll go get the whole seeds or the cloves or whatever I need in the dish and then I will come back home and grind it in our little mini coffee grinder myself. And I learned that trick from my mom because my mom was explaining how like when she was a young girl in India, they would always hear stories about how America prepackages their spices, America and the UK. And they add like preservatives and additives and like really high salt content to keep it fresh and bottled in the thing for no apparent reason because spices don't ever go bad. It is really, really, really rare for spices to ever go bad. And for some reason, these bottled spices that we have in America to fill up the container and to make more of it spread, they kind of fill it up with fillers that are really bad for us in the long term. So grind your own spices. And then back to this one point, I don't know if people are aware of this term or not. And I know that in the next coming years, it's going to become a big quote unquote fad. But Ayurvedic medicine or Ayurvedic way of living. This is also not a new age term. This has been around for thousands and thousands of years. years. It's also connected to Chinese medicine. If you look up Chinese medicine, it's in there. Ayurvedic is an Indian term, but I know the Chinese are really big into what Ayurvedic teaches. It's, It's a very, it's robust. It's a lot of work and I'm just starting to dabble into it. But my mom has taught me a lot since I was a kid. So a lot of the stuff I know by nature now, but it's all about what you're eating, how you're eating it, when you're consuming it. Um, is it in season? Is it not in season? What are you pairing this food with? Like, for example, I go to juice bars around here in St. Louis. And when I see juices with like carrot and pepper and cayenne pepper and ginger and lemon and everything squeezed into like one bottle. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Will you stop it? Yeah. <laughs> when I see all of that put into... <laughs> Sorry, guys, I'm making her laugh. <laughs> when I put all of that into one bottle, that stuff is not necessarily helpful to you or to your digestive system. Our bodies cannot handle the amount of ginger that they put in our juices sometimes in the summer heat. Ginger by nature is a very warm, a very hot spice, and you can only take it in small amounts. And if you take it in the summertime, you can take a very, very, very minimal amount. But I'll be in these juice bars and I'll see people like dumping a whole half ginger in my juice. And that's terrible for you. Like that gets your blood flowing too much. Like with the heat outside, it's just not healthy for your digestive system. 
And these are the things that Ayurvedic talks about and really, really focuses on. Um, they also go into how each food should be prepared. You know, you shouldn't cook a, cook spinach for more than X amount of time on this kind of heat. You should eat this raw as opposed to cooked. You shouldn't eat a bell pepper, you know, with carrots or you shouldn't eat onions with this food in the morning. Like it's all about intentional things that go together by nature that our bodies can handle as opposed to just dumping whatever you feel like dumping into your body. It, Nina mentioned the, the term Ayurvedic medicine. Um, this also should not be considered something that uses a defensive tactic in terms of you get sick and then you have to do this. This is something no, you do on an, life. This is something you do on an ongoing basis that is an offensive technique too that you know these different types of spices and different types of fruits and vegetables and the way that they're prepared and the time of day you eat them is a preventative mechanism. And that's a big big problem in our healthcare society is everything is focused around defensive tactics to treat symptoms without actually healing the root cause. Ayurvedic medicine allows you to balance your body out and create more of an alkaline environment so that you can never put yourself in a state where you need to be defensive. And like these deep levels of nutrition are not taught in medical school with doctors. I know a lot of doctors and when I talk to them about this stuff, they're blown away because they were never taught these types of tactics. And they're like, well, we do this. We have to like, by process of elimination, try to diagnose these different symptoms. And so we're prescribing these different things that treat these different symptoms without really having a full understanding of how you can do this without pharmaceuticals. You know, pharmaceuticals at the end of the day are a drug. It is not necessary to be taking anything on a long-term sustained basis in the pharmaceutical. You know, I can understand with specific injuries or specific things where you're trying to knock something out real quick. Um, there's There could be a place for those, but you should never be taking anything, um, you know, day after day after day after day that's a pharmaceutical. That's a drug. It's a chemical you're putting inside of your body and you can heal anything without them. You just have to understand these different mechanisms that are not prevalent in the United States, but they're used in other countries on a regular basis to really help heal and prevent anything uh, bad with your health occurring. Yeah, agreed. Very well said. Um, I would also say, I don't want to say Ayurvedic medicine. I think that, I think that's a term. I think I misuse that term. Ayurveda just like a, is, is a type of way. It's not really a medicine. It's like a lifestyle. Yeah. But I will say this, like, you know, growing up, whenever I had a sore throat, my mom would give me honey, cinnamon, and cardamom on, on a spoon. And it would take the pain away in a second. What do you get today? Some processed, nasty version of a cough drop that you don't even know what's in it, like menthol or something just in it. Just straight up chemicals. You know, and or then they put like or, different kinds of colored dyes in there yeah. and stuff to make it look a certain way and taste a certain way. And so there's there's spices and herbs that we have from nature, through nature, to help heal us. It just takes a little bit of effort on our part to look for those things. And with the you know with inter- with the internet, we can do those things, and we should. We shouldn't just run to the doctor and take an antibiotic every two minutes. That's not good. That's just not good for you in the long term. Um, I do have some books on this topic. Actually, before you jump into that, I got one more thing I want to say, because I just saw this this morning. There was a guy, and I saw him in an interview this morning, a 104-year-old heart surgeon that's still alive that is still very active he can still drive he still mows his lawn he still does a lot of community driven stuff and for the longest time he's been plant-based and he was a heart surgeon and he literally did surgeries on all sorts of people that were going into cardiac arrest and with heart failure and all sorts of different variations of that 
largely because of the terrible diets that they were eating. These meat-based, dairy-based, processed, different types of diets very common in the Western world. And long time ago, he quit all of that and went 100% plant-based. And this guy is now 104 years old. And he's no longer a doctor. Uh, doctor no longer treats patients anymore. But he goes around and, and really preaches this plant-based concept for health. And I just thought that was so remarkable to see somebody living, you know, over their, over 100 years old that still looks in as, in as good a shape as he is. And he was saying in the interviews, like, I don't have any aches or pains. I still exercise every day. I still get around. I still drive, you know, all these different things. And it's all because he allowed food and nutrition to generate his health and well-being. Yeah. And I also want to say, like, I don't want us to anybody listening, like if, if you do eat meat or you're not into this stuff or anything that I just shared sounds like a lot of work to you. There's no judgment here. This isn't like trying to change the world and trying to make everybody turn into vegans or vegetarians. This is just sharing a different way that if there's something that is not working for you or you don't feel good or you aren't, you know, at your optimal best or you want to lose weight, there are different healthy alternatives. And here's two people who have, you know, done it for 10 plus years. And yeah, it hasn't been the easiest route. It's not easy to go to a restaurant and you and I just look like, what's vegan here? You know, like it's not. And most of the time we prefer to eat at home and make our own little concoctions of food, then go out and not know what's in it. You know, like that lifestyle is not for everybody. But what I'm trying to say is, at least before you buy things or before you cook things or you make these choices at the grocery store, or at a restaurant, just try to educate yourself more because I what I don't like and what bothers me to the core now as I get older is when I see people at the grocery store like just buying the most terrible shit for them, you know, and you can, they can barely walk. You know, they're old, but you know that they could be just so much healthier. Like I am a very lucky person in this regard. Like my grandparents are very healthy and everyone's in my family is very healthy, knock on wood. And I just understand that the choices and decisions they have made their entire lives and have chosen to teach me along the way is like something that's going to carry forward and it's going to change people's lives. Like health, in my opinion, you have nothing. If you're not a healthy person, you will lay there wishing that you could just have it all back because that's just the most important thing in in my opinion what you just said i think too is really important in terms of judgment like you know i kind of live by that motto of i never it's not judging it just makes me sad and that's why we're sharing this you know like it's not if, if people think listening to this that we go out eating somewhere or go out doing something and like look down or frown upon people or even notice people eating meat at a restaurant no i don't but when i see somebody who's sick or can barely walk and is choosing to eat a big piece of steak or has cancer and is choosing to eat wrong, that's where I get very hurt. No, I'm agreeing with with what you're saying. I think that our perspective is we would never, ever like try to tell somebody to do something, never, ever try to control others. And our motto is, you know, the better we can make ourselves, that's, that's our primary goal, right? And if we can help others by things that we've learned, you know, I think that's great, right? And for me personally, as I walked people through like my diet and exercise protocol and, you know, you've never eaten meat. I've been there and I've tested almost every type of diet and exercise protocol that I could ever think of. And now after 17 years of firsthand experience, this is what I've learned and this is what I've become aware of. I understand now that I think this is by far the most optimal thing for human beings to be doing. It's definitely the most optimal for me personally. And uh, I'm just trying to share those learnings with others, but you know, never ever judgment for on anybody else's decisions. 
don't know why this came in my head before while you were talking. It's it's really mind boggling to me that even you can't even drink your tea or your coffee currently and not question it. Like if people could just pick up the computer and Google what's in a Starbucks matcha latte, I swear it's going to blow you away. It's going to literally, it's not real matcha. It's not real tea. Okay. The sugar in it is 10 X what your body can handle in one cup. Like none of that stuff is healthy for you. And yet there's lines and lines and lines out the door or in the drive through every morning at like 7.30 a.m. And that's what that's what's like hurtful. And it's just like people need to educate. You know what they the actually consumers put, need to educate themselves. You know what I didn't learn until just recently, actually? Um, a lot of places will inject meat with sugar and they don't label it on the packaging. Yeah. And they do that because it gives it a certain kind of taste. But when you look at the packaging, it doesn't say that there's sugar or carbohydrates in there and high amounts of sugar after consumed and are digested actually digest and convert into carbs um, within the body. But like there's companies that will inject meat with sugar and then not even label it. And people are eating a chicken breast that's you know, take for granted, it's full of antibiotics and all sorts of other stuff, but it's also got sugar in there that's not even labeled on it. Yeah. It's it's pretty remarkable. It's just sad. But anyway, no judgment. Some books on the Ayurveda stuff, because I feel like I've never really talked about that. Um, these are for these books are for beginners, and there's also audiobooks for each of them. There's a ton of information on YouTube as well if you guys are just getting started or just interested in learning more about it. The first one is called Ayurveda, the Science of Self-Healing by Dr. Vasant Ladd. The second one is called Perfect Health by Deepak Chopra. The third one is Balance Your Hormones, Balance Your Life by Dr. Claudia Welch. And the fourth one is Eat, Taste, Heal, an Ayurvedic guidebook and cookbook for modern living. These four books are like kind of like beginner's lessons in Ayurvedic. And I'm not saying by any means that we follow this way. I'm just, I'm, I've already implemented stuff that my mom has taught me since I was a kid. But now I'm learning to just dig deeper. Like when I'm making a juice, a raw juice, I'm not putting cabbage and carrots and a bell pepper and a long hot in there and juicing and drinking it, thinking that it's healthy for me. It's not. That long hot and bell pepper have no business being juiced and hitting my stomach. Like there's just, there's no nutrients in that. It's actually bad for my stomach lining. And so it's like little things like that that you can learn through these books. And it's actually quite interesting, at least to me it is to see what I've been doing wrong and to see what I can be doing right now moving forward. And this stuff is based on thousands and thousands and thousands of years of just human testing, like research, you know, it's not like nobody got sick from any of this. You know, there's no, there's no information out there that I followed an Arabic diet and I got sick. No, it's like all been healing and like replenishing your body and like kind of getting back to normal the way that we all should be. Something I think that's interesting to, point out too that you didn't that your family from india has followed this type of lifestyle and diet for ages and generations and generations and they on on the side of the family that does follow this they have never ever once had anybody that had any type of terminal illness yeah, that, no. that ended up killing them. Everybody got old and died from just natural, natural. causes of of old age in their sleep, right? For the yeah. most part, like yeah. nobody got any type of sickness that ever took them out. And this is generations and generations of people. Yeah, one person, um, one person did get sick, and I forget what it was. And she was the only one who liked to have a cocktail or two. Oh, so it was maybe the alcohol. So like, what is, I mean, what do you say? Her diet was the same as everybody else's. All she did different was drink. 
Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, she was a little. Well, we also a closet party animal. <laughs> Um, so we do have a quote for today too. Well, hold on. Let's, I, I shared Ayurvedic books, but I also want people to look into those three documentaries. What the health, what's the other one? Forks over knives. And the third one is earthlings that you saw. Earthlings is one, but I'll, I will give you a cautionary tale there. No cautionary tale for all of them. All, all of them, yeah. but earthlings specifically has some really graphic content in there, but watch that. And I guarantee you'll never eat meat again. Um, onto the quote, onto the quote. So, the quote is, take care of your body. It's the only place you have to live. And I actually really think this one rings true for me because for the longest time, I have thought of this earth suit that I have. <laughs> this, uh, <laughs> I call it my earth suit, this human body I got with the spirit inside oh of it, my, my earth suit. But what I actually, what I actually think of my body is, is like my life vehicle right it's a vehicle it's a vessel that carries you through life and just as you think have. about just as you think about a car for example you would want to fuel that with the highest quality thing so it lasts as long as possible it's the same thing with the life vehicle which is your earth suit and or your body which is the more high quality things that you consume and this is goes far beyond just what you're eating this is like toothpaste that you're using and topical stuff as well and because that all gets absorbed into your body the more high quality ingredients of things that you're consuming the more efficient and the longer lasting your life vehicle is going to go for meaning that you know you take care of your body it's the only place you have to live it'll last you longer you'll feel better you'll have better energy you'll have better health and you'll have better longevity throughout your life. But the point of this is you can't listen to people in the mass media feeding you uh, knowledge or facts. Don't let people tell you what's healthy for you. Do your own research. Figure, out, figure, figure it all out for yourself. Don't look at banners. Don't look at billboards. Don't look at magazines. Don't watch influencers talk about it on Instagram. Don't look at the South Beach diet and the actresses that get paid for it. Like, Do your own research and try to eat and make choices and decisions when it comes to your body as clean as possible. Um, the simplest the simplest foods and the cleanest foods are the ones that give you longevity. Yeah. There's actually a new movie. Uh, you mentioned a couple documentaries. There's one that just premiered this last week that's going to be coming across the United States in the coming months called Game Changers. That's actually like a brand new uh, plant-based documentary that's got the likes of Arnold Schwarzenegger in it, like the world's strongest man, bodybuilders, James, James Cameron, yeah. the film producer and director, um, all these very noteworthy people and athletes that are literally some of the most advanced, well-known athletes in their space around the world all talk about how they have transitioned to a 100% plant-based diet and how it has actually fueled them to become the best they can in their given verticals. Yeah, but Arnold Schwarzenegger specifically says, he goes, I thought this was healthy because that's what people told me. I thought this was healthy because that's what the doctor told me. He, and, referring to eating meat. Yeah, and now he's completely switched and he's like, um, no. Like after doing my own research and realizing that I wasn't my best health, after being in this you know space for 60 some years, at 65, I'm getting sick now. Why? Like food's not supposed to make me sick. It's supposed to keep me healthy and keep me going. Old age is one thing, but sickness is another thing. So yeah, I haven't seen that. Did you see it yet? It, well, it's not out everywhere oh. yet. It just launched. They did the premiere last week and it's going to start popping up in theaters across the U.S. in the next couple months. Mm. Well, guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, Brian was very gung-ho on talking about food and exercise today. Yeah. Well, I hope, it's, I hope it was valuable for everybody. It's something that took me 17 years to learn and now I'm literally learning more and more each and every day and trying to enhance it and trying to become as you know most efficient optimize 
this life vehicle that I got. Yeah. And uh, I just wanted to kind of share the things that I've learned and hopefully you took some valuable things away from it that you're interested in testing out to see if it works for you as well. Yeah. And be sure to um, rate and review us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. If you guys get any value information from this podcast and also be sure to reach out to us at Brian Dixon 06 on all social media platforms and Nina Pal Dixon also on all social media platforms. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks a lot. See you next time.